0: Uh, hello, and welcome to Super Rugby, out to the uh, round three review. And, you know, these Sundays are always interesting for me, or fun, because I know this looks like a well-oiled ship, the way that we come through with all of these um, all these shows, but on a Sunday, I basically send out the email to a, uh, a number of guys, and then just so, see who turns up um, to come and talk about the games um so yes it's always you have sort of sat there going is anyone going to turn up and who's going to turn up uh and uh, yes totally. So this evening we have at least two people joining me um and uh, yeah we're gonna go with Cornflake first how are you doing, sir
1: I'm doing good well-oiled machine eh? I mean looks good on the outside we'll this we'll just run with that
3: sounds with great that.
0: <laughs> absolutely um and uh yes and also how are you doing, sir
3: Oh, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. And this is like, what do, you, what do you mean you hope who turns up? You send out a sheet with all the shows and who has to turn up? And it's like, I feel like I'm going to be sent to the principal's office if I don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the final one is much more of a kind of like, yes, I'm just sending it to all four of you, so all three of you, and um, see which ones turn up. And you two have turned <laughs> up. And Stephen kind of tried to turn up, but some um, is having technical, the technical difficulties. He'll make that point of later. Again. <laughs> We do need to buy him a laptop <laughs> and get him on fiber, don't we? Really, let's be honest.
3: On, on, on fiber, Ooh. we have to go, go to the supermarket and buy him a nice big bottle of Metamucil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and considering our pre-show chat um, didn't involve talking about either of these games, it involved talking about where to go buy towels and and <laughs> uh, and, th- and, uh, and who owns what uh, franchises. Um, really, uh, g- good luck, folks. I um hope you <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what we're actually what how it might come through, but anyway,
1: well oiled machine, well oiled machine. <laughs> <Well-oiled> machine <exactly.
0: laughs> um. So, squeaky wheel, um, you were at the um the blues versus the highlanders, weren't you? Um, yes, I was. Uh, thank you for um, yeah, getting in there talking to some fans. Uh, you had some chaps with some blues fans and some highlanders fans. Pre-game um, to get their views on things, um, and I don't think it really turned out the way that either of them expected it to. It, this was a, it was a tight affair. It,
3: it was a tight affair, you know. You know, let's pull out all the cliches we can. Weather was a leveller, all that sort of thing. But actually, a game of two halves, you know, the team with the least amount of mistakes, you know, making hay. So, and, and that's basically how I felt the game actually transpired. I mean, the first half was the Highlanders making all the mistakes, and. Basically, giving the Blues opportunities in the second half, the roles were reversed, um, and the Blues started making the um, mistakes, and the Highlanders took advantage of that. So that's what it felt like watching it, and yeah, I don't know how, how did, you know? You, you, it's a bit difficult when you got vested interest in it, not it, Cornflakes? And it's is like, so this is like seeing the game as everybody else that's neutral seeing it, but um, that's the way I saw it.
0: Stephen, we need to get you a Highlanders flag, so at least people know who it is you support. Because, look, I've got the jersey behind me. austin has got lots of blues kind of uh, flags and stuff, and wearing a blues cap. Um, but there you are in your in, in your all-blacks. Oh, no, no, your Phoenix.
1: Um,
3: and a super brew, you know, yellow super brew cap.
0: And, oh, the yellow super Blue hat goes on. Yes, you did predict it. And what margin did you go for, sir?
1: <clears throat> I think I went by Eight was the one I went for, so I was a, a little bit out in the margin, but I just on, on the note of Super I just would like to say uh, who is at the top of your Super Bowl leaderboard um, currently at the end of round three, Paul? They, are you aware of that?
0: I've not even looked, to be honest. Um,
1: yeah. I
0: like, uh, <laughs> do know that you are six games from six, whereas I'm five from six, which means yes. I'm probably behind you.
1: Yes, no, I'm loving life at the moment, nailing all of them. Margins are pretty close. I mean, yeah... <laughs> I, I agree with what Ashton said. It was definitely a game not what was expected by at, at all. I think the first half was probably what a lot of people expected the whole match to be, but mm. it turned out a very, very a lot different from that. I was surprised, especially in that second half, how much the Highlands backline actually got up over uh, the Blues backline. I thought there would be an area where the Blues would, would just dominate that whole matchup, but I thought the forwards would be quite an even battle. But I thought the backline is where the Blues would actually edge it, given, given Paul's atrocious weather in the preview last week, uh, that didn't eventuate. But even still, you know, having a good backline that can execute uh, from the few chances that teams may have got. I thought could have been the big difference between the sides. But uh, the Haydners, I think, pulled out all the stops. They played really, really well. And considering they were playing with 14 men throughout the whole game, because Scott Gregory really wasn't there
3: at all, uh, they played yeah. really well. He is an ex-Blues player. makes sense, you know. Actually, you know, the thing for me was that, Really, the Blues came out in the second half and just went switched on. Um, they made some real basic sort of errors that really helped uh, the Highlanders to get at flow on. And and you know I, I think all of the teams. You know I know the Crusaders are sort of like at the top of the the, the 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 pile of teams sort of thing. But reality is, if the Crusaders aren't on their game, any team can tip any team over. So you can't give any team an opportunity, and that's what the Blues did in that second half. Get a bit of momentum up, get a bit of confidence up, and the Highlanders took it with two hands. And it's amazing isn't it? how the,
1: the players who excelled in the first half, like your Clark's and your players like that, or especially him, I think, everyone's raving on how amazing he was. Where did he go in the second half? Like, he was nowhere. He was nowhere at yeah. all, invisible. And I guess you say the Blues had hardly any ball. They were really yeah. shut out. But it's like those key guys... Is a consistency or what it is, but they were, they were there. They're impactful. A lot of the guys were like making all their inroads, dominating the and, game.
3: Gone. Yeah, but the, you know it, it's interesting you say that because like um, with the three wins from three for the Blues, I actually feel like the Blues still haven't actually put in their best performance yet. They, they've they've still got um, runs in the bank that I don't know whether they're going to be able to pull that out or not. But they they're not polished. I think there's a level of polish that's still available there that they need to, yeah, pull out of their kit bag.
0: Runs on the board means you've actually already scored them. What you actually, what you're trying to? Yeah, you're trying to, there is room for improvement um, from there with mixed um, sort of similes. And we we have him, the man who actually knows what he's talking about. So we need him on <laughs> need to, um, I, I, I spend the next forty minutes just talking about um, who uh, about this. So Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Very good, thank you, Paul, and it's a pleasure to be on the show. Great to have you. Um, so you, look, Scott Gregory, a guy from Northland, a guy you know, what happened to him? Did he just uh, obviously, a bad day at the office there, fumbled a, fumbled a couple, got charged down for a try? Um, this isn't the, this isn't the kind of the Scott Greg we, we see playing in Cambridge Blue, is it? Um, you don't want to make excuses for somebody,
4: but I, I kind of am if we track. Scott Gregory's career, he started at Whangarei Boys as a first five and then got pushed out to second five. And I've actually seen him play his best rugby as a midfielder. And uh, for some reason, all the coaches that are involved with see him as a fullback. Um, this is not the first time I've, I've actually seen Scott have issues with, uh, with the high ball. I know playing for Northland against uh, Tarinaki last year, he had issues. And, uh, yeah, it certainly wasn't a night to remember. It pretty much started with the kicker head, which he probably should have just popped over the sideline as opposed to waiting, 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 picking it up and getting it charged down. Because I think from after that, his confidence just pretty much went out the window, period. And that was... uh, and that was it. And uh, another thing is sometimes as coaches, you've got to read the room if a guy's confidence is shot and he's not having a good night. I personally would have subbed him quite early in that uh, in that second half. Simple as that. And uh, I, know, I know Scott really, really well. He's a good kid. Hopefully he can bounce back from this. But more importantly, I just wish coaches would see him as more of a midfielder than I do. And, yeah, a midfielder as a, more than a... Uh, more than a fullback,
3: guys. Yeah, look, I mean, I have to. It's interesting that you say that, Steve, because he was um, previously in the Blues squad, you know, a couple of years ago. Then he's obviously um, quite a big component of the Sevens team. Um, and now he's at the Highlanders. But when he was at the Blues, he was seen as an outside back, the back three. He was never seen as a midfield back when he was with the Blues either. So it's, it's interesting that you've, like, I wasn't aware that, you know, he started at first five and really a midfielder. So that, it, really Mm. does make a lot of sense with what you're saying, is that you're playing a poor kid out of position.
1: But where does he learn,
3: though?
1: You've got to give the Hollanders a bit of credit, though. I mean, he's got to start somewhere. Maybe he's out of position, what have you, but this is how you learn what he's made of, what he's good at, where he excels, where he needs to work on. And, I mean, they gave the guy a stab. And I I agree with what you said about how they probably should have pulled him a little bit earlier, but at least they showed that confidence in him to say, look, we're going to give Mm. you an hour or whatever he had do what you can do. We're going to take what we can from this and, and we've got work on, you know, and we'll, we'll move on from there and progress. So, I mean, it's good that they gave the guy a shot. I, I think the Highlanders really were given no chance in this game and and much like in game two, the whole competition watching it has been put completely back on their heels about what they thought about who are the best and who are the worst teams in this competition.
3: Yeah, anybody's yeah, the best and anybody's the worst the in half, give a given day.
0: The first half went... I guess, pretty much as people were expecting, let's be honest. Um, the Blues, uh, 93% um, tackling, which basically meant they didn't give the Highlanders any opportunities in that first half, really, to get over the game line, to make any breaks, to, to get much. The only try they came they, they came away with was a, a line-up more, um, uh, and then they bashed it, which, which got stopped, they bashed over. I mean, that line-up more, Steve, has been one of the, uh, or uh, conflict has been one of the, uh, the key weapons of the Highlanders so far this season, hasn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Ash Dixon's been leading that pack um, phenomenally well, and they've they've stepped up quite nicely around him as well. So it's definitely one of their biggest weapons. It's going to be tested more and more as this competition goes on, especially next weekend, uh, massively. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good that yeah you know, a team that's always known as not having the greatest pack, but they can get something out of it, and especially against a team that's got such a, a strong pack like the Blues have that you would they may struggle with, although they perform very, very well with it, and um, they're using it quite nicely and playing to their strengths, which is which is good to see, and, and they're getting guys like that back row, Shannon Frizzell, I thought had the biggest game, um, although he's only had a couple, but massive improvement for what he's have seen from him this year um, over Super Rugby so far, and his stats, you know, top tackler, none missed, um, and of course, the big runs he made, he was a presence, you know, he hasn't been a presence this season, um, pre-COVID, post-COVID, at all, and to see that stiffen up, I think it's going to make a big, big difference, especially with Makeli Tu'u outside him. They, those two could be just a phenomenal force together uh, at six and eight. So really good to see that they're using that well.
0: And Astrid, one of the things this talks about with this Blues team is that we've, we've known Blues teams always have the ability to score flash tries, but it's work rate that we're seeing this time around, isn't it? I mean, um, Nok, uh covering back um, after Karifi's great um, uh, break and kick-through, uh, the, the work rate we're seeing from this Blues team is from, um, uh, Kiriwani. Again, got but through, got through a lot of work these last two games that we haven't seen him do previously. That's that's really the difference this year, don't you think, Arthur?
3: Oh, hugely, hugely. The fact that this is like get up off the ground and make yourself uh, available to do something as opposed to stay on the ground and one of my mates will do it for me. Now, the uh, work rate is definitely lifted. And, um, you know, that's all you can basically say about it. And then it's making a difference in the performances. And you saw that, obviously, in the last three minutes when they were under the pump. So um, that's it. But I actually want to come back to a Highlanders uh, player. And, um, and and you were talking about their forwards and their work rate. You know, I think the All Blacks are struggling for a number three hooker. And you'd have to say that someone like an Ash Dixon really putting his hand up because he's hitting his jumpers. He's doing the work around the field. I mean, and... One of the issues has been with, whether it's Liam Coltman or Nathan Harris or whoever, has been their line-out throwing. And Ash Dixon has been on the money with that. And, you know, I mean, they did lose a couple in the second half when it was a bit crucial. But um, I think against the Chiefs and then against the Blues, the, the he was accurate. But it's not just in the line. You know, it's his core um, job there. But then around the field, he's quite big as well. He's a leader too. That's he's the main right. thing about him. He They follow around. He,
1: he's a guy, yep. uh, you see him with Maori All Blacks, what he, the effect he has on, on that team and how good he is with those guys. Um, he brings that to the Highlanders, uh, that same sort of passion and integrity that, to the team. So he, yeah, he, he is massive. Um, and I think uh, any team, you know, would, would love a guy like him. And he's keeping, like you say, that third choice hooker out of the All Blacks yeah, out the Col- of this starting yeah. fifteen. So Coltman, no chance.
0: Um. Stephen, a player that I want you to want to hear from you about is um, Caleb Clark. You know his dad, Ernie Clark. Um, but uh, two, uh, well, uh, yeah, two tries in that first, um, oh, sorry, uh, so the made one try scored one try in that first half is he's, um, he's spotting those, uh, those mismatches, those gaps, and he's uh, he's got great confidence to go for them, hasn't he,
4: Stephen? He is, and, and of course, it was a tough day at the office for the for the young fellow, obviously having having. Uh, Having lost a a, a, um, a grandfather that particular day or earlier in the day, so it was you know full credit to the young fella for for fronting up. I'm pretty sure his grandfather would have wanted that. But yeah, he's if you meet him, Caleb in real life, he's a very big guy. He stands stands over stands over six foot, so he's got a lot of size and and power to him. So uh, listen, all power to him. He's just he's just going great. Uh, great guns at this at this point in time. So um it's good good to see. You. And I think he might be a tad faster than his dad. I hope his
3: dad isn't <laughs> yeah. watching the show. <laughs> yeah.
4: hey, no, Speaking to me. But, uh...
3: speaking of speed speaking of speed this is like they've got there's a few um Clark brothers actually so um Caleb's got a couple of younger brothers and um my son ended up playing in a Ripper game against um one of the other Clarks uh, and uh it's just like, you sort of think, like, oh, yeah, you got the fast kids and the slow kids in the team. And then you came up against this team. And it's like, yeah, they had the fast kids and the slow kids. And you gave it to the cl- the clerk. I'm sorry, I don't know his first name. I can't, can't remember his first name. But that was just a different level of speed. And I was just like, zoom. It's was like, yeah, he's gone. See ya. <laughs> no, they're, they're definitely faster than their dad. I, I saw that. <laughs> even, at a, even at a five-year-old age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at... Um... Some of these uh, things as tutu puts through a wonderful kick. Uh, Parsons put through a kick as well. What's with these forwards suddenly at the Blues um, showing multi multi-skilled players? Um, it's uh, great to see. I mean, we saw a bunch of on Twitter there were some great highlights of um, a certain Mr. Wood who used to do kick well for the um, uh, for Ireland um, back in the day. The old the old, the old bald-headed hooker. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see these forwards um, Yeah, a total ball, I think, uh, and, and doing it effectively as well.
3: Crickets. Oh, no. no, absolutely. No, look, I mean, I think the, the, the key thing, though, is, is that they're not willy-nilly kicking it, right? Hoskins and James Parsons' kicks were calculated kicks, good kicks, and got good results on the back of those kicks as well. So it's not just like, oh, I'm under pressure. Um, we're going backwards or we're not going anywhere. And I'll put a random kick in. It was like we're going forward. There's space in behind and we're utilizing that space in behind. And we've got a good chase onto it as well. Because a kick's only as good as its chase, right? Good cliche. It kick's only as good as its chase.
0: <laughs> Cameron also wants to mention if Terry Black in there. Um, yes, he is playing well. Um, there was there was an article in midweek in the UK uh, over in UK about um, Bowden Barrett uh, and how he was basically he's allowing others to play um, in the fact that he's not jumping into first receiver he's not trying to run everything back um, he is kicking a lot back and and yeah and Terry Black is stepping up into that space uh, and yeah and doing a lot of the work but doing it and doing it very well um, he was doing it pre was doing well previous to lockdown and I think uh, quite a few of us. I um, uh, Basically thought that uh, it was going to be a shame that he was going to lose his place to Bowden Barrett uh, when he came back in. We, Osham. Um,
3: um, yep. Oh, look. I mean, I, I think that was sort of like Bowden will be back and he'll go to first five and that. But I think it's been good leadership. Um, that's obviously at the management level where they've basically put Bowden in the back. We actually with the Blues at three and zero, um, and Bowden hasn't really done anything game wise that's been like he's he's done some great controlling. Um, kicks or, you know, settling down type things. and But the big thing that Bowden Barrett's brought to the team is level-headedness on the field, right? Or off the field as well, obviously. But he's talking, and that's the communication out to those young players and saying, OK, no, no, no we need to do this, we need to do that. So that's the big thing that Bowden Barrett's um, bringing, bringing to the field, really, at the moment. He hasn't really done anything too flashy. He's tried a couple of things, but nothing too out there. And he's, he's letting the players that are in front of them. Um, be themselves and not trying to take over and be that guy.
0: Yep. Um, I guess finally we should just say, I mean, Hunt also had a decent game. Um, he, he went over after the forwards, uh, did the hard work for the Highlanders, but he missed a crucial penalty late on that could have evened things up. Um, also some question marks about um, whether Stephen here, the uh, oh, sorry, Cornflake here, um, they went for a drop goal, then they get the penalty and they go, go to the corner. Does that make sense? Or sh- should they have kicked the free? Um, that, that's been one of the sort of key things we've seen on social media getting discussed. We'll get your opinion on that and then we'll move on to the next game, I think.
1: Well, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? They go for the three tied up and probably thought about it and thought, "Oh, well, let's not try. We'll just win it now. Um, stuff going. So the extra time, the golden point rubbish is just, just, just do it all in one foul swoop. I mean, you can't be too critical of it. I'm not. They, they, boy, they played well in that second half. And and there's a lot of standout guys. And I mentioned on Twitter in that game, I mean, I don't know from a Blues perspective, Ashwin, how you feel about how the Blues played on that, with your disappointment of how that result eventually uh, happened at the end. But I mean, from a Highlanders perspective, that's a super young team. That's a super fresh team. That's a team that played, well, within themselves. I think they could have been a lot better in certain areas. I mean, players could have had better games. And in time, you know, next year, year after, year after that, this could be the same group, the core group still together. They've, they, their potential is way up out, out of the sky. Uh, whereas I think the Blues at the moment are fairly close to their peak of, of as for terms of players' performance and in terms of players' career, sort of thing, they—I don't think they've got anywhere near as much as the Highlanders do in terms of where they can improve on this. So I think that that is a great performance and a great look for the Highlanders. How they perform, the passion they showed to stay in that game, to stay competitive, to pretty much come within a you know a little sniff of, of actually stealing it right at the end, um, and not drop their heads after going down, you know, by like twelve points at half time, uh, was fantastic. And I think that it's just going to get better and better and yeah, you know, like all the teams at the moment, to make them at your peril. Ride them off at your peril. Uh, They won't give you an inch, no matter who you are, what your name is, or what colour your shirt is, or what number you've got on your back, or what name. It doesn't matter. They ain't giving you anything.
3: I'll let Steve have writer and fly. we will double team him. Team. Where you go, man?
4: Go, <laughs> go, 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 Cornflake. I um, I probably agree with probably about ninety percent of the stuff. That you uh, that you just uh, mentioned before, because I, I will say, if if the uh, Highlanders had got across the the whitewash and won that game, I I would not have had any issues with that because I uh, I think in that in that second half, I think they did really well to fight back to where they uh, came from. With regards to the Blues, maybe hitting their peak at the moment, I'm not 100 percent sure, and I and I pretty much say that because we know what potential they have got. At the back, but I don't think a lot of their guys, the likes of Barrett, he's hardly been in the game thus far. He's I think he's just directing, I think he's just directing everything from the back. I, I disagree with you. I think they've actually got another level. And I think when they come up against the, the likes of a Crusaders, I think you'll see a game, a very, very special game. I think the Crusaders know the blues are on the rise, and I think the blues know. That the Crusaders is a team that's got a target a target on their back, and um, like you say, on a given day, you underestimate any team at the at their peril. And we'll talk when we talk about the next game. You know, any team can come up. But what I do admire about the Highlanders is the fact that if you look at all the personnel that they've actually lost and the guys that have stepped in and stepped up, I do. I do admire that, but on, on saying that, Hunter had a very good game. But is he going to be you know is he going to be consistent? How long is Josh Ioani for? Out one question I was going to ask, or two questions. Sorry to get away. Um, Mackay is he out injured? And secondly, I know there's been a little bit of talk about the side entry on the last the last wall, and I must admit, and I looked I had a good look at it again, and it to me it, it looked a little dodgy. His
3: his yellow card, um, his his entry penalty trial. You're talking about Hoskins. Hoskins' yeah. entry. Now, but he goes in on the ball. He's gone. He's come from the try line and he's gone in on the ball. So I, I, I don't know. If, I think it's a 50-50 call on the side entry. What's more in that situation is that the ref called more and the Blues players went in from all angles to hold him up. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, <laughs> I, Hoskins a, it's was. It's a good <laughs> point. But it was that's actually the job. other players when
0: he called Maul. P- P- that's P- that's P- what... you say, yeah. All the other players who suddenly come running in, and you're like, hang <laughs> on, they, they've not run in from behind their own.
3: Yeah, look, look, there, there, there were a couple of 50 50 calls, and I thought they actually evened up through the game because I think, um, the try that was bef- um, and there was actually advantage before the try, and Dalton Papali was going to be penalized, and it's just like, well. Actually, that was the same instance or situation where um the Bryce Lawrence talked on a sports show on the uh, Sports Channel uh, during the week, where he went over a squeeze ball and was trying to get the ball. And in that scenario from the Chiefs game, they said that Dalton should have not been penalized, and he was actually in the rights because as long as the squeeze ball is being made, until the ball is made available, he's able to go for it. Um, and that's exactly what happened in that situation. Dalton's gone over the top. With a squeeze ball happening and he's and then the, the playing advantage should be been a penalty to Dalton. The um oh, uh, just, just yeah. Sorry, where you go, Paul. Cuts. Next game. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought that's what you wanted
1: oh, to do. Cameron, <laughs> <Wait, laughs> on. But that that's all I'm giving you. Don't come with me with that all Teddy Black being a, a coming up to up the I know, I gonna... he's gonna he's gonna go.
3: So, I'm going to this Steve's talking about the young players at the Highlanders. It's just like you've got a back three off the scrum where we Akira is the oldest at twenty-four. Hoskins only 21. So McKelly to who is uh 23. Um, then you go in the back line where you've got TJ and Rico in the midfield, and you've got Caleb on one wing and you've got um Mark Talia on the other. Um so there's plenty of uh, and the halfbacks with Nock now starting to stand up and Finley Christie. Jeez, that kid's just He's a firecracker. But, I mean, so there's, there's plenty of young fellas starting to come through and putting their hand up as well. He in will the blue Scotland. He'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll go back to St. Kent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Some of the, I guess, okay, so, so one of the points is that you're going to find that the majority, apart from the Crusaders, who somehow managed to keep people um, in the country and not be taken across to France and Japan and England, Um, all the other four franchises are always going to be young because as soon as the player gets to the mid-20s, they don't um, crack the All Blacks. They go overseas. Um, We've seen that with with, um, uh, Manu, uh, who's just left um, the Chiefs. Um, And so all these teams are going to be young. All these teams are going to be like, imagine what they're like in five years' time. Well, they'll have left and gone and played. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: Direction of what I was going to make from from that point is that the Blues have got, you're right, they've got Rico Uh, You know, they've got all those guys, the known players, the guys that are already All Blacks, the Bowden Barretts. Who's the recognisable guy of the Highlanders? Aaron Smith?
3: Yep.
1: I mean, that's it. And I mean, I I think he has developed and, and evolved at the start of the season already. He's actually hitting rucks and tackling players. Aaron Smith goes that way when there's a ruck and a tackle player until it's established that he can get the ball out. If it's defensively, he's out of there. He was actually getting involved. He is rolled, I think, into an actual player who's getting involved more and probably forced to because of the way the Highlanders are. But there's no one there. There's potential for there to be a host of superstars in that team. The Blues are at that superstar level, as I'm trying to say. You know, the Barrett's, Ioannis, they've got all those guys that are at that kind of level right now. Yeah, they're still young, but they're kind of at that superstar level, whereas the Highlanders have still got a lot of way to go and potential yeah, at, to have at, you know six or eight all blacks maybe yeah they're Who at knows, that superstar level
3: but they're not consistent yet they've still got to bring consistency oh, sure. to the table and so that's the thing and, and that'll come with age. That won't the consistency is unfortunately an age related thing generally speaking. So uh I, I sort of think I mean like especially with a Caleb, some of the things that he did on Saturday night were a step up for him, I thought actually he's like spotting the gaps and going for them. Just just having you know and, and yeah Looking up, heads up, play, um, scanning what's open and, and available to in front of them, as opposed to just t- tucking the ball and running, is actually create looking to create. So I think that'll come with maturity as well with some of the younger players.
0: There is also number here that the Highlanders had like sixteen new players this season. So from a cohesion point of view, they're, they they are definitely a the the least cohesive side out of all the, all the all the um, New Zealand Super Rugby sides. Uh, a lot of those players we are talking about have been around the blue setup for a year or two, even if they are still very young and got a long way to go. So there is there is that element to it. But I knew my point would get through eventually. That game, <laughs> um, tw- um, twenty-four. Um it was twenty-two to ten at halftime. Um so great comeback. I think what we've shown there is the grit from the Highlanders and also the blues also showed grit to finish it. And that's something we're going to talk about, and we're going to, I think it's gonna become a common theme across all of these sides. Um, as um as, as 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 well coming on then to the crusaders versus the chiefs and boy i might have got the weather wrong for the first game but the second game was wet and i did say it was going to be wet and that was going to impact the crowd uh, and boy it was teeming it down
3: I'm, so, I'm sorry i'm just gonna like you know it's it's a classic thing story that we get out of um crusader land is this, this oh the weather conditions are going to impact the uh, crowd and it's just like we we, we um, so, um, Saturday night, I think we had three tornadoes in Auckland, and we just basically had a drenching all day. And um, if, if it hadn't been for those weather conditions, it would have been over 30,000 people there, but we still got managed to get 27. This is a successful rugby franchise that can't get people along after a breakdown, after a lockdown, I should say.
2: <laughs>
3: right? And it's just like, don't make excuses pre-game. This is like your people aren't turning up for the game you uh, know <laughs> no. I think you are allowed
0: to do that anymore steve <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no idea what's going I'm I'm sorry for what did that <laughs> moving on then um to the game to the game it was wet um and um as we are already 29 minutes into a half hour show um more comments from My summation of and we're halfway through the content. My summation of this game is pretty going to be um, short and sharp. It rained. The Crusaders adapted to the rain. The Chiefs tried to play dry weather football. Didn't look after the pill. They lost. Um, Stephen Harris. Since you since you're not normally allowed to talk, um, I'll let you go next. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't
4: know what to say. I'm reading one of Cameron's, Cameron Pike's comments. I don't know if you're going to post it. He reckons it's good sh- no. shagging. No, no, <laughs> no. Cameron, you,
2: Cameron he doesn't have to Cameron, you, up, you just said it. You can't,
4: you can't say it Yeah, I know. I couldn't. Listen, it, 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 one thing I will say: I haven't been to that ground, especially during the middle of. It really is cold, and when I talk cold, it it does cut through you and. Apparently they had good they had good ticket sales down there during the week, but uh, apparently some people just didn't turn up, which is a a little bit a little bit disappointing to say the least. Um, um one thing about this Crusaders team they do know how to win, and um, yeah, back to you.
0: For...
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sweet Ashton, we've got twenty nine minutes. Let's go.
0: <laughs> yeah. They do know how to win. But I thought they weren't clinical early on. Um, We uh, basically in the first nine minutes was um, was kind of was it it wasn't wet. It was all it was all um, um, Crusaders. Um, The Chiefs were pretty passive on the first phase, but then after that um, defensively. Then after the first phase, they were very aggressive defensively and stopped the Crusaders on that advantage line. Um, And even when the Crusaders managed to break them down, they still spilled the ball. So I thought that, that, that actually early on the Crusaders weren't clinical in a way that we've expected that, that we've, we've seen them in the past, um, either Arsenal or Cornflake. And I'll then just set back.
3: Oh, look, I mean, I, I thought that the really the Chiefs were their own enemies in the game. Um, they had enough ball. Um, I, I just don't think, as you, as you alluded to it, they didn't play the right tactics for the weather conditions. Um, you, you know, it's the, the, funny because the commentators kept saying every time that Damien McKenzie got the ball, oh, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, he's going to create something. Oh, he's created something. He didn't create anything. the def- The defensive line for the Crusaders is set, so they're not actually manipulating the Crusaders' defensive line at all. Um, they're just going side to side and 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 playing risk rugby when really with those bo- um with the weather conditions, they should have been doing what um O'Toole Black, Bowden Barrett, Mitch Hunt to a was doing on Saturday night was basically kicks into space behind.
1: Jeez, you've stolen my point straight off me there. That was exactly oh. what I was, I was going to say. I've got a complaint to make and it's Damien <laughs> McKenzie. Oh, uh, he says, just stay away from first receiver. Just, just stay away. Yes. Leave, leave it to Cruden. Just, just pop in and out at second or third from out of there. Don't run sideways. Cause they're just, they're, this is a red wall. Mm. You're just running sideways and it's just going to get you anyway. He, he was, yeah, I, I said, the commentators. i would Exactly what you said, drove me nuts, saying here he is, <laughs> he's going to make a big bust here, and then he's on the ground, he's splattered, Ping. and then he he throws the ball back too. He's so reckless at the breakdown. He doesn't try and nicely sit it back. He just uh, chucks it straight out of there. Um, Yeah, tried a lot, as did Cruden, but uh, Cruden was a bit more safer, although he did throw those 50-50 passes a lot, but I thought his running with ball in hand was a lot more um, uh, dangerous uh, the Mackenzie's was, he was just aimless sideways and going nowhere, and I think we've seen this from McKenzie a few times, remember that first game he played at fly half, I think it was against the Lions when they came here and the wet, it was pouring with rain, and he was absolutely terrible, and we're all like, oh, I'll cut the cut the throat on the, the 10 for McKenzie idea, because it's still going down the toilet it was like that, it was an instant replay there I thought he was, yeah, no good, just sit off people, sit off like a Tapia or a Leonard Brown hitting the line and, and just go for that little offload off that, and Use your pace through there. That, that's what he's best at, and that's what he should try target on. But Stephen wants to say so, so he's that side. Go quick, chip in. No, no, you're right. You're right. Oh, on. he I'm doesn't. Looking. Oh, he unmuted his mic. I thought he was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You guys are on fire. I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually preparing for the, <laughs> the, briefest, the briefest I keep going. But,
0: yeah, uh, no, okay, so look, for for, that, for the first half, basically both sides nullified each other. The rain got in the way. Um, and the only time that the Crusaders scored was when essentially a high ball, Dave McKenzie jumped for it, totally misjudged it, re-collected it. And then because Dave McKenzie had come up to claim the ball, there was no one at home. Uh, Reese went up, drew the last tackler, passed the ball, and hey, <coughs> so um, oh, what's his name? Will um, Jordan Jordan oh, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan goes in and scores, um, a, a nice easy try. Um, and then that suddenly it's, it's a 10-3. I thought that the Crusaders with a five-meter line out two minutes before half-time or a minute before half-time I'm thinking this is clearly going to be a try, um, and then it's game over. But I mean, to be fair to the, to the Chiefs, they showed grit. Um, and they and they held out. A lot of teams would have um, succumbed to the Crusaders. All the Crusaders have scored in that period just for half time against a lot of teams. Uh, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it tonight.
3: Um, yeah. Look, I mean, both of the Crusaders tries actually were sort of a, a, you know a little bit out of um, opportunistic. Yeah. Yeah. They were. I mean, and saying That they did create the um, first ball Jordan try. Um, it was a cross field kick. That as as Paul alluded to, that Damien McKenzie, um, uh, I don't. Uh, it's from the replay angle on the opposite angle that you see it. He's totally misread that. He never got close to taking that ball. But the other thing that you can see in that defensive structure for the Chiefs is that there was nobody. So I think it was Wainui on that wing hadn't actually dropped to be in a defensive position. Um, that if like okay, a McKenzie's dropped it or for some reason, ricochet backwards, he was there was nobody, no Chiefs back there. Even with Reese taking that ball, if they actually had somebody that had dropped in behind to protect Damian McKenzie, then they would have taken Siviris out. So there was actually a um, defensive um, blunder mistake made. And then yeah, and then the um, the the second will Jordan try? If and this has actually been seen on replays. If you go two rucks back, there's an outside. I mean, an out and out penalty to the Chiefs for Jack Goodhue just wrapping himself up in the ruck. Uh, in a tackle situation. And they argue, unfortunately, you know, and you teach your kids this, look, you play to the whistle and the Chiefs didn't play to the whistle. They were arguing that point. They were right. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the refs didn't call it. And um, off the quick thrower, uh, throw, in, uh, they went and scored. So two opportunistic tries. And um, that was really the difference in the game.
2: Two the, the Chiefs did have their opportunity.
3: Two,
0: two assists by Severus. And uh, yep. two by uh, Will Jordan. Um, Severus, I'm not sure, will ever again do, do a try assist from a line-out throw-in.
4: Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll, yeah, go, Steve. Just in that movement you were talking about before with the high kick, um, there's a couple of couple of guys who, who I thought, with the inexperience, got exposed in that game. One was uh, Tupaya, the centre, but also Nanai Satoru got exposed on a, on a couple of occasions. And with that high kick, if you watch where he was... Um, McKenzie was going in to to contest for that high kick. Now he ran forward of that kick. So once Severus took that kick, if you look behind from might. the end at the end, the end on camera, there was nobody there. Not he enough. should have sat in set in the pocket or sat back. I actually thought uh, when you mentioned uh, Sean Wainui, I actually thought Sean Wainui was one of the better better performers in that back line and actually got better as as, as the game went yeah. yeah he's he's a very direct player he'll he'll bring the ball back back hard I mean say so he, he copped a really big shot now who was it Calum Grace might have put a put a big shot on him and he just gets up and he he comes again so I just thought in those areas they got a little bit exposed uh, those, those two outside back and uh, tupaya has got a really big reputation but he hasn't impressed me at all in his uh, last two matches but on saying that he is only a young guy.
1: I it's think it was disappointing that, I, I, I was, it's disappointing that Alamala didn't play. That's I was disappointed by that at the start when he got pulled out late, because um, I'm a big fan of him, and seeing him on the bench last week, I thought, yeah, he's finally coming back. He has the X-factor. That could have made a big, a bit of a difference. Yeah, even conditions like they were, I think a, a little bit of a time, and a little bit on the ball, he can make things happen, whether it's rain, hail, or snow. So, uh, big, big disappointment that he wasn't there. Um, but I I've I've been picking holes in this Crusaders team because there's got to be a way to beat them. And at, at the start of round two, when I, you know, you look at the team and say, Where can sides look here? Cause they haven't played. I picked holes in this in their back row, Cullen Grace, like you talked about, and um and Billy Harmon as well. That Cullen Grace, you watch him, you watch his game. He, he is a he is a really hard worker, a really, really hard worker. He's a line-out option. He's big. He carries well. He cleans well. He does e- everything that if you don't watch the game, particularly on a player, you don't really notice what he does because he doesn't do all the flashy stuff. You know, he's not an Akira Ioani that does everything nice and, and bulldozer. He does the really, really hard stuff. 22 tackles. Um, the next highest was Billy Harmon with 12, and the next highest was Soakula with 10. He made 22 that's just how much he worked and just the work he does around that team. It's so crusaders like it's so unrewarded um, from like the media perspective and things like that. But he is, boy, he looks like some talent. And I mean, I thought that could be an area other teams could pick on, but man, if he keeps that sort of form up, yeah, he's going to be another
3: great crusader. I'll tell you what the area that other teams can pick on from the crusaders. And it's just like, I don't know why for over 20 years, they haven't figured this out and it comes down to what you've just picked out about one player is that it's their work ethic they don't give up they don't lie on the ground and oh, i have done my job they get up and they do their job again and again and again and when i've done it that many times i get up again and do it again right that's their work ethic that's the difference between the super rugby franchises because at the end of the day the talent at that top level if you look at it a player by player basis is pretty level I mean, obviously, you got your Bowdoin Barrett's and your Richie Moongas for a, for a point, you know, that are the special players. Yeah, Damian McKenzie's got that skill, the X Factor, the X Factor players, you've got those guys. But the majority of them aren't X Factor players. They're very good players, but there's they're all the same. They're all very good players. You don't get to play in a super rugby team and for any franchise, even the Blues, you know, in previous years if you aren't good enough to be at that level. So it's the work ethic that it's all about. And it's 20 years and people haven't figured that out. And you see a guy like Josh
1: McKay, I think is exactly sees what your point is superstar at the Crusaders comes to the Highlanders and he's not anywhere near as effective, not, not any worse of a player just without that sort of support cast around him, that sort of team around him, he doesn't look as good doing what he would normally do in his normal role. So he has to do more, he has to do other things. That's the the thing about it. And I mean, I think that starts at the top. You may call it a little thing, but you see in that coach's box when when they do something well, score a try, Scott Robertson, every coach gets the fist bump. Now that is team unity, and that will follow all the way down. They're like brothers, you know, it's that culture. So that they go on, and, and everyone is playing for each other. And I just feel like I have to do one as well, just to fit in. Um, so that, that's 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 massive for the Crusaders, and that's how all the teams, you know, that that team will play like that, and they'll play for each other more than you probably get that culture. I think the Highlanders have it to a certain degree, but I think that's that's instilled in, yeah. in the Crusaders' culture for yeah decades. I mean, like and, you say. And,
3: and, and stereotypically speaking, it's a South Island culture. It really is, you know. It, you know, you're, you're working. It's something that's come through the years, you know, back in time working on the land, working hard, and that, all that sort of thing. And it flows that culture flowing in through that thing. And you're right, because the Highlanders are very much like that as well.
0: So Callum, Callum Grace, uh, 21 tackles, 3 missed, um, but 21 tackles, um, 6 carries. The only person who carried more than him was Whitelock with 8, uh, as, as far as forwards goes. Actually, as far as anyone goes. Uh, sorry, no, as far as forward goes. Um, he made 13 metres and only... Cody Taylor with 20 metres made more metres as a forward. So, yeah, Callum Grace, big game.
4: There. I, I remember this time, last, this
0: time last year we
4: were talking about Tom Robinson, who, who had a great start to uh, to super rugby, and we thought, man, is this guy going to be the next number six? Right at this point in time, I think Callum Grace may have one hand on that number six jersey at the minute.
3: Because Tom's injured. <laughs> no,
4: no, 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 not, 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 not really. I actually think Callum Grace is. It, I know Tom. Tom is fantastic. I mean, so doesn't miss many tackles. But at this point in time, Callum Grace um, I think, is showing. Yeah, look. It's, it's, it's just really the way he actually hits and tackles. They are really big offensive hits on on the players. And uh, at the moment, I know everybody's talking about Hoskins Satutu as a as a possible All Black number eight. I'm. Even as a blue supporter, I'm not totally. I'm actually not totally convinced at at the minute, because I want to see how the season comes, keeps on going. Once once we get down to the championship rounds, and I'm talking when when we start playing Crusaders, he's still doing the same stuff against the Crusaders. Then I might say, yeah, you're, you're in pretty good form at the moment. You know, for all the plaudits that Sotutu is getting, he missed a straight one-on-one tackle last night that needed to be made that resulted in a try. Um, yep. So he's still, he still got work on I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. Tom Robinson was doing the same thing a year ago, getting caught out down the blind side. But, boy, the more I see of this um, of this boy Callum Grace, and his form is just not in, in Super Rugby Aotearoa. It actually started earlier in the season pre-COVID. We were seeing his form, his, his game at Eden Park, especially if we think back to that game. He disrupted a lot of the Blues ball in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Actually, if we look at the the sides out there, that's you know, what I was thinking when I was driving back, was that um, the Crusaders probably have got the weakest number eight at the moment in Fertu Douglas. Um, if
3: you think that, um, <laughs> no, yeah. hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, back yeah. the truck up here. I was going to talk about the Chiefs number eight and Peter Gusto color. If, if if you haven't got a blue jersey on, he doesn't play well against you. He plays uh, phenomenal games against the Blues, but or uh, Auckland when he's playing for Taranaki. But really, today he was didn't get over the advantage line, or didn't feel like he was getting over the advantage line. And you know, for the big guy, that's what you're expecting from him. So I, I just don't don't see him getting those performances. The consistency of the performances, basically. But it's I mean, that old
1: adage of second yeah, season, though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
3: Oh, he's been um, around for more than two seasons, hasn't
1: he? No, no, I mean the rest of them. I mean, Satutu and too. Oh. Those, those sort of guys, you know, this is the first. It's like yeah. Tom Robinson last year, we were like, oh, all black, all black. But now, you know, you've got to, got to really go through two full seasons, experience those highs and lows, drop in form, not play well, but still, you know, still play at a good enough level so your bad game is still a decent game yeah. and you're good how game. Work, you know.
3: got to work your yeah. way through a bad game when you're, when you're yeah. not in form and, but you've still got to perform. Still do so your roles. Still, okay. I, mean,
0: yeah. He, yeah, I mean, sixteen carries. Okay, he only went seventeen meters. So you're right; he, he wasn't making those busts. Um, I think one of the problems that um, the, the, the 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 Chiefs had in this one was the um, the Chiefs didn't make any clean breaks at all, no. all game. Um, well, that's, that's what
3: I refer to back before when I mentioned. Um, you know, they really didn't manipulate things to try and break yeah. the line. They were basically uh, you, Damien McKenzie running side to side, thinking that he was going to find a hole in a, in a defensive wall. Um, and he was probably closest to actually, with his work effort, was probably closest to going through.
0: Uh, and it's just some other stats that jumped out at me. So 298 metres running by the Crusaders, 296 by the Chiefs. So pretty much the same, and not very big numbers either, really. With the Crusaders doing that with 78 passes and 76 runs the chiefs doing that with 151 passes and 128 runs. So nearly 50 more runs and twice as nearly twice as many passes. The crusaders again adapted to the medical conditions, 41 kicks. That's a lot. <laughs> a, quick, a kick every 2 minutes. The chiefs only 27. In those 27 a, a reasonable amount if it's not wet. But under those conditions, yeah, they just
3: played the wrong the wrong game. You have to say it's a lack of composure from the Chiefs. You know, you see composure. You saw composure from the Crusaders. It was a lack of composure from the um, Chiefs. And when you consider that they have got that experience in key positions with Sam Kang back um, and Aaron Cruden back, and then you throw in with someone like the Damien McKenzie, who's been around now for long enough to be part of a in a Chiefs sense anyway, a, a part of the leadership group. You've got a good group of people to make good decisions about how the game's going what they need to change up but they didn't change the game up enough to, to be what, fair to the chiefs
4: to be fair to the chiefs guys sorry to jump in steve they are very very short in that middle row uh, i know there was a a still shot there one part and sawakula was basically standing behind beside mitchell mitchell brown and they seriously are not a tall middle row. They obviously miss the likes of uh, Allardyce, mm-hmm. of Brody Brody Ritalik. So, you know, they, they haven't got guys, and you've got to have that confidence with those guys, especially at line-out and, and set-piece. And I think what you're basically finding is your loose forwards are having to do extra carrying, you know, because they, the, the, these guys are so small. These guys aren't doing more. it. They were getting knocked back on the advantage line. When you've got the likes of Ardron there, you've got Retellick there. These guys carry hard into the contact. But more importantly, you need two or three tacklers on them. But uh, the Crusaders today, I think these these locks, I was watching them every time they carried, and they were either getting taken straight down, straight ridden down straight away, or they were getting hit backwards over the advantage line. Listen, for all the carries that the Chiefs had, they just weren't making... Really, really good meters or pay dirt meters for their uh, to get their back line underway. Sorry, Stevie. No, you're no problem.
1: No, I, I, speaking of your line out, you got to say the chief's line out was better than had been in the first two rounds. Certainly, they did start to disrupt. No. They disrupted the crusaders. Come on, they turned over a couple of line outs, which they would have <laughs> no chance of doing in those first couple of rounds. So, they were better. I'd said better, <laughs> not good. They were
0: better. <laughs> Attacking wise, Sam, some oh, comes defensively, on. Defensively, yeah. Yeah, defensively they're better. Attacking 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 lineups. Summersoni comes on. literally, the very first thing he's having to do is to do is to throw a line out. And I'm thinking, oh boy. Not only does he not throw it straight, <laughs> but nobody jumps at all. You're, talking, you're like
3: what hey, the- is that, the, and is that the one that also got called not straight? And it yes, was sir. actually very straight. It was actually very straight. He actually goes into the middle of the line oh, to time. grab the yeah. ball. And it's just like, you've caught it not straight. <laughs> the Chiefs can't catch a break <laughs> or a line out. <laughs>
0: but he can't, I mean, no one even jumps. And you can yeah. see he walks on, he talks to everybody. He then walks back. And you're like, that's not just the hooker's fault, right? That's no. the. It's. Uh, um, Communication. Communication. Oh, yeah. The, the entire. Yeah. that, that the, the, There's just zero. And People are breaking the song. See, you can see the um the, the lack of faith in it because uh, a, a bunch of lineouts on that the, well, were there were five meters out they were adding players like um, Quinton Tapire and sean Wynui into the lineouts into like nine and ten man lineups you're like what <laughs> really okay
3: here we go i missed that actually yeah. okay. i didn't i didn't pick that up No, they were jumping into the
1: mall, straight into the malls in the back. Brad Weber was jumping into the malls and pushing them as well. It was was a bit carnage. But I was going to expand on your stats there, Paul. Uh, What I found really interesting on on the meters gained was that for the Crusaders, Will Jordan made 71. You take out those two tries, which are probably about 30 meters each. He only probably made about 10 meters running. Uh, Cody Taylor made 23. He made that big bust down off that line out, which was probably 20 meters. So take that off here. No one else made over 20 meters for the Crusaders. The Chiefs had five players that went over 20 meters. Um. so that was kind of weird but it explains what you said more about the kicking game and how the Crusaders played I think to that weather conditions a lot more rather than just like hammering away at at dead wood like they did and a a bit uncreative and and trying to force things I think a bit especially uh, although I credit Cruden for the way he played, he forced a lot that really should have just gone to ground with and, and not carried on with, and they just were, were a bit aimless. I think with a lot of the way they went about things. So it yeah, didn't play to the to the right to the conditions, and um, yeah, need need a bit more tactical awareness, I think, and communication and faith in their teammates.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, you, you're you you got different stats to me, but um, we look, at, look at the Chiefs one. Um, <laughs> yes, look at the Chiefs one, and, you, and you're like, okay, so so who were their top meter makers? Dane McKenzie, Sean Wainui and Nani Satoro. Yeah, it's the back three. <laughs> now admittedly they they're collecting kicks and running it back to a certain degree. But also those it's the back three, whoever they've selected, whether it's been um Sean Stevenson or Solomon Amalo, um, that back three has been where the Chiefs have had have been dangerous all season, and that's the only in all all their games so far. It's not in the middle, it's always been when they get out wide and give the guys a bit of space. Um well, thank you guys. We've obviously gone for twice as long as we should do. We always do.
2: <laughs>
1: Got another hour to go you don't we? Just, just, just absolutely
4: quickly, guys, if you were sort of picking a a 15 a fifteen for the weekend, I looked at a couple of names here. I'd go probably Will Jordan at fullback. You all agree? Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I think
3: see, okay,
4: okay. Um, Caleb Clark on one wing? Yep. yep. For the first half. I, I, I would actually... <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean to so say he had a pretty good game. I'm looking at guys who didn't make a lot of mistakes. Yep. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. I'm actually going to go for Sean Wynui on the other wing. Yeah, because yep. nobody else stands out. Yeah, totally.
0: No, maybe yeah. recently yeah, honorable mention, but that's it. Yeah. Oh, Honourable yeah,
4: mention. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. yeah, gets an honorable mention. But I, I think Sean Wynui he didn't make a lot of mistakes in the game, fielded everything. Pretty yep. well. I was thinking about the <laughs> midfield. I, I think Anton Leonard Brown probably deserves to be to be in there. I still think in a Chiefs midfield he looked pretty good. I also like Tomkinson from the Highlanders. I thought he looked pretty good. But just quickly, second five center.
3: I was With gonna go, I'd go Tomkinson and I'd go Tomkinson and Rico. No, I wouldn't go
4: Rico. I um wouldn't wouldn't have him there. I thought he made a real crucial error on from turnover ball. With yep. about eight minutes to, eight, eight minutes to go, I wrote it down. Turnover ball, he needed to move the ball, but he picked and went. Now, from turnover ball, you've got no cleaners there. And he conceded a penalty, good, which, he got isolated. He gave, which, which got isolated, which gave the Highlanders that that opportunity. So I do wonder if he still does the right things. I'd either go right. Anton Leonard Brown or Goodhue. Or good good uh, yeah. <laughs> first, first fives to me. Well, I think there's a there's a few there that you could either go Moanga Black or maybe even um, our boy from the Highlanders. So but who do you I, think I, there? Maybe, more,
3: maybe uh, Richie? Um, I suppose at the end of the day, I think he's the one that controlled the game for the Crusaders. So, um, yeah. you know, because and, and yeah. as I said, the stats show, they didn't, didn't do a hell of a lot. So um, he just got them into the right parts of the park and controlled the game. So you'd probably yeah. go Richie. And yeah. I'd go
4: Aaron Smith at halfback.
3: We'd all agree with that. Yep. yep.
4: Yeah, classic. Yep. In, yep. Into your number. Into your into your number eight. If you look around at those number eights, did uh, Mickey Ellie two play two for the eight for the Highlanders? Definitely. I'm actually going to go. For me- I'm actually going to go for Mickey Ealy two over Hosking Satutu. two. We all good with that? Seven, uh, seven, and six. I'll go. You Calum- got
3: um, democracy.
4: I I'll go. <laughs> Callum Grace at six. I think that's an easy yep. pick, guys. Yeah. Um, what, what
3: about
4: in ter- what about in terms of seven? Uh, Dalton.
0: yeah,
4: Dalton Papali. Yep, go with that. Your two your two locks. I think I'd go for, for Patrick Tui Tuy I thought he yep. went I thought he went pretty well. Um
3: another 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 lock who played pretty well. I, I actually I think that um I mean obviously the, the Chiefs don't have any locks, but if you actually <laughs> yeah. go through the six other locks, um they all they all actually perform pretty well. No, Josh um, Dixon. Was he, Josh Dixon, yeah, yeah, oh, actually, He was he, extraordinary in yeah, yeah, the lineup. Yeah, no, actually, i go with that. I'd go with that, actually. I'd, yep. I'd, yep. I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. We'll quickly go to Hooker. Dixon? Oh, There's Ash Dixon. Dixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To my rant about Ash Dixon. I have to go with him, don't I? Right, <laughs> um uh, tight,
4: uh, tight head props, guys. Oh, I, did La Lala do enough in, in the game this afternoon for the Chiefs? or pretty did well, they well they in the scrums. Offer to a put on a put in a decent sort of hit. But I, my only
3: issue with offer, you don't really see him carrying the ball. So uh no, I'm I was gonna say that about all the props, Steve, is that I'm not actually seeing any dine they're well, not really that well, that's, dynamic. Well, that's <laughs> why it's moment. That's why I've decided to go with
4: Siati Tokalahi. Um yep. as, as my my tight head mm. prop. I thought he did really well and the Highlanders' <laughs> scrum stood up really well. And finally a loose head prop. I'm to sure he go, go.
0: Yeah, That's fine. You're gonna go who? Uh, toa. Oh, toa.
4: Oh uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, you got through You got through a bunch of work defend, defensively.
1: Okay, at least he prop. Well, oh, Moody I'm was good in the scrums, so he did pretty well in there for the Crusaders. He made pretty short work okay. of Lala la la through I'm actually, that. I'm, I'm actually I'm okay. actually
4: gonna go for Hodgman. I'm gonna yeah. go for Hodgman at, at the blues. And it's yeah. okay. and, and, and that's my fifteen super well, super Altoa, super rugby fifteen of uh, the weekend. Super for rugby round three. round three, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: best player off the bench was probably Havili.
3: Oh yeah, oh, yeah but you gonna, you gonna are you gonna are you gonna um replace um Jordan with Havili coming coming off the bench? I still nope. think Jordan. I think you're still gonna have Jordan. His aerial um diffusing of bombs is just magical at the moment. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 flawless. Yeah. yeah. Cool.
0: Well, thank you very much, folks. Um, you've been listening to New Zealand Sports Radio. Don't forget you can catch us on you listen to us on the go on your favourite podcatcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Acast, all that kind of stuff. And you're gonna to want to watch it um, on the you're gonna to listen to it on the go rather than um than watch it sit down for a whole hour, to be honest with you. Um, because I didn't change cameras much. I should have done much more camera changing. Sorry, folks. Um, but yes, do listen to us on the podcast. Uh, and um we'll be back tomorrow night with the Driving Mall show, um, where we'll be uh, discussing all sorts of rugby-related stuff. And I've gone blank. Oh, yeah, things like eligibility for North-South um, games will definitely be a, um, be a be a good one. Um, and we have um, a Samoan uh, scrum half to come on. Uh, uh, Stephen Harris, please uh, give us a good pronunciation. pronunciation. Dwayne, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, um, uh, uh, and I've gone blank as to his surname. Sorry, um the I've not got it up. Um, we'll be joining us tomorrow night, um, from uh, so to, to give us some in, some professional rugby insights, and uh, no doubt we'll talk about some of the club action, um, as well.